Welcome to the Real DeFi Podcast, the only crypto podcast that is totally focused on DeFi, bringing you the latest DeFi news, trends, and tips in a 10-minute or less easy-to-listen-to format. And now for your host, Crypto Dan. Episode 20. It's that wonderful time of the year. Taxes and DeFi. We all love to hate taxes, but almost all of us have to deal with them every year. As if crypto taxes were not challenging enough, DeFi offers many additional hurdles. In this episode, I'll discuss many of my personal takeaways from having to deal with taxes and DeFi. But before we start, I remind you to subscribe to this podcast and to join our growing Telegram group at t.me slash DeFi podcast. There are links in the show notes. And we'll start with a listener question from the group. And this time from Michael, who asks, Considering the high gas price and the many transactions needed, what is a reasonable amount in USD one should invest in one project considering the yield and the gas costs? And I answer, it really depends on how often you farm and how much money you move around. If you do neither very often, then you can go with smaller amounts, but probably at least $5,000 per pool to make sense in the Ethereum blockchain with the current gas costs. Solutions like Pickle and Yearn are there in order to farm for you and reduce gas costs. DeFi transactions cost today in, Jiren in the range of around $20 to $60, depending on complexity. For example, Curve transactions tend to be very costly, and Sushi or Uniswap transactions less so. If you want to save gas and invest smaller amounts, I suggest you look at alternatives like Binance Smart Chain. There you can work with smaller amounts and still make profits, since transactions cost around 10 to 20 cents. Before we start, especially this episode dealing with such a financial topic, I would like to remind you that I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not an accountant. So everything you hear here is my own opinion and my own experience. Please don't take anything as financial advice. Taxes differ from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, and you should do your own research and consult with a qualified accountant before doing any work on your taxes. So with that in mind, let's hit it. Tax laws vary greatly between jurisdictions. However, in most places, the premise beyond crypto taxes is fairly straightforward. You pay capital gains when you sell your crypto, and even when you transfer between one crypto to another, on the difference between your purchase price and your sales price. Of course, when you get into details, it becomes much more complicated. In some jurisdictions, some kind of tokens have different liabilities than others, or it depends on how long you hold the token for. There is also first-in, first-out, last-in, first-out, or average accounting to consider when you compute costs. However, things get much more complicated when you start doing DeFi. 
what happens with liquidity transactions, what happens with staking transactions, yield farming, swapping between Bitcoin and wrapped Bitcoin, for example. All of these are additional complicated transactions that many accountants still don't know how to deal with, and I'll try to address some thoughts in this episode. It's important to say that a lot of this is gray area, and the decisions are still not out in many jurisdictions. To do my taxes, I did a lot of research and decided to use Coinly, which is in no way a sponsor of this show, uh, just my personal opinion. I chose Coinly because it has a wide range of exchange support, a wide range of blockchain support, including Binance Smart Chain, and it supports liquidity transactions, which are hugely important for DeFi. So naturally, I will use some examples from Coinly in this episode. If you'd like to try out Coinly, our affiliate link is in the show notes and you can greatly help this podcast by using it. So let's look at some of the difficulties. First is swap transactions. In order to do DeFi with Bitcoin, for example, you need to swap your Bitcoin to one of the Bitcoin tokens on Ethereum, like WBTC. By default, Coinly and probably other programs treat this as an exchange transaction. However, you can manually change it into a swap transaction, one that is defined as a transaction that doesn't incur capital gains. I would argue that BTC and WBTC are representations of the same token, much like holding a dollar in cash or in your bank account. Therefore, I at least submit this as a swap transaction. Similar issues may occur when converting between chains. For example, if you move some ETH from your Ethereum blockchain to Binance and then withdraw it into your Binance Smart Chain, you would get a slightly different token, which is an Ethereum token on Binance Smart Chain backed by Binance. This I would also use as a swap transaction. And again, it may need some manual tweaking to your tax report. The next transaction type we come across is liquidity transactions. This could be symmetric or asymmetric pools. In symmetric pools, like in Curve, that are pegged to the same value, you can deposit a stablecoin and then withdraw the same stablecoin after a time. In exchange, you get a liquidity token. In Coinly, these transactions are mostly recognized automatically as liquidity transactions. In the settings, you can define whether liquidity transactions are taxable or not. I guess this would depend on your jurisdiction and the kind of opinion you might get from your accountant. However, you could set it so that liquidity transactions, both buying liquidity and selling liquidity, are not considered taxable in the program. After you get your liquidity tokens, you need to stake. Those are also special transactions in Coinly that uh, you can tag as deposit to pool or withdraw to pool. And again, it requires manual intervention. But I don't think that there is any doubt that these stake and unstake transactions are non-taxable. After you stake, you'll probably like to farm your rewards. 
This can be tagged again manually as reward transactions. Reward transactions appear separately in your income report. And as far as I know, in most jurisdictions, they are taxed as income rather than as capital gains. There is also a cost report, which is becoming ever more important with the rising gas costs. You may be able to reduce the cost from your income. So let's have a quick recap of the life cycle, and I'll take as an example depositing Bitcoin into a Badger pool. So your first transaction would be to convert your Bitcoin into WBTC. This is something you might have to go and change manually from a trade transaction into a swap transaction. Then you need to deposit into a liquidity pool and get your liquidity tokens. Coinly recognizes this as a liquidity in transaction and in the settings you can decide whether it's taxable or not. Next, you need to stake your liquidity tokens into the gauge. You'd need to manually change that into a send to pool transaction. After that, you withdraw some rewards. You'd need to tag that transaction as a reward transaction. As you can see, there are many manual steps to take here, so you'll have to go over your transactions and carry out those steps. If you use a different program that does this better, I would be very glad to know that. So please share in the Telegram group. Let's go through some other considerations. First, unfortunately, I do my taxes in FIFO, first in, first out method, as required by my local authorities. Unfortunately, this means that if I buy and sell a coin that I already own, I won't pay taxes on the recent purchase as a cost basis, but on the original cost basis of the coin. So right now, if I do a quick flip by selling something, buying Bitcoin, and then selling Bitcoin to buy something else, I will pay capital gains on the first Bitcoins I ever bought, which can be quite noticeable. Therefore, it is very important to always go through stable coins when you do quick flips like that. You can notice that many exchanges now support transfer of USDT on the Tron network, which is very cheap and quick compared to Ethereum, which is another advantage of going through stablecoins. Another thing you need to consider is IDOs, as discussed in the previous episode and an episode before that. When you send money to an IDO, you won't get your tokens right away. Sometimes it might take a day or more. So you'll manually need to go and combine those transactions in order to make it an exchange transaction of sending some stable coins and receiving your IDO tokens. As you can see, DeFi offers many additional questions and hurdles on doing your taxes and also requires a lot of manual intervention and auditing of your tax report. I know that I have asked many more questions here than actually I gave answers, and I think this will clear up over time, and also it's something that you have to do your research by your jurisdiction. But I hope at least I gave you a clue as to what you need to deal with, what questions you should ask, and what kind of manual intervention you would need. As I said, I use Coinly, but I would be happy to hear 
about anything else, if you think there are any better programs for DeFi, it would be great to hear about that. So please share in the Telegram group, t.me slash DeFi podcast. As noted, you should consult with a qualified registered accountant in your jurisdiction before making any taxable decisions, and nothing on this podcast is a financial or a tax advice. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and support us by telling your friends, helping to spread the word on social media, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. And please also remember, there are significant risks involved with DeFi. Thank you for listening to The Real DeFi Podcast. Please subscribe and visit our show notes for more information. Please note that nothing said on this podcast constitutes a financial advice. Please consult your financial advisor before making any trades. All content provided on this podcast is for your general information only. We make no warranties of any kind in relation to our content and services, including but not limited to accuracy, security, and updateness. No part of the content and services we provide constitutes financial advice, legal advice, or any other form of advice meant for your specific reliance for, for any purpose, nor for any dealings in securities for which license is required. Any use or reliance on our content and services is solely at your own risk and discretion. You should conduct your own research, review, analysis, and verification of our content and services before relying on or using them. Trading is a highly risky activity that can lead to major losses. Please therefore consult your financial advisor before making any decision. No content on our site is meant to be a solicitation or offer.